to a special episode of Plaid Skirts and Basic Black, the Black Catholic podcast that talks about culture, pop culture, current events, all through a Black Catholic lens. I'm your co-host, Marcia, who has a Black dad, and I'm joined by my co-host, Shannon, who also has a Black dad. True. <laughs> we would love to be super excited today, but our subject matter precludes us from this, but we are glad you are here and ready to listen and learn. But before we get into all the things that we're not excited about, let's do a weather check. How are you feeling, Shannon? Um, yeah, so I'm very hot, like the sizzling blacktop hot. Or um, what? Like fry an egg on the sidewalk hot. Um, <laughs> like, I need to be not on social media, everyone, but also I can't stop, and it's important. Like, I, not that I don't take breaks. Like, I take breaks for hours at a time while I'm at work and stuff, but, like... I probably should just take like two days away, but then crazy stuff like what we're talking about today happens and like, you know, the church needs to fight racism and we can't take a day off from fighting racism. We can take a day to recharge ourselves. Yes. But it's still not a day off. (laughs) Anyway. By, I'm gonna, just by, by church, you mean like church people of God, Mm -hmm, not the actual mm -hmm. church because they haven't really been doing what they're supposed to do. I don't think. I'm very upset with the bishops. I just want everyone to know. I'm just annoyed. Anyway, but I can be upset with the bishops because I'm I'm Marcia. (laughs) I have been surprised at how vocal they have been compared to the past. Let's put it that way. (laughs) Here's the thing. Because there's been no vocal, they have been vocal in the past. I'm having trouble in the present because no one's taking it seriously because mm-hmm. they haven't been vocal in the past. Mm-hmm. And we still have parishes that aren't speaking out at mm-hmm. the pulpits. Mm-hmm. And it's very upsetting. So if you are sizzling hot like the blacktop, <laughs> I'm the black blacktop. <laughs> You're the freshly like I'm repaved blacktop. Like, yeah. Like I but I am also like I am on fire. I have fire of a thousand suns right now. Like all the fire of a thousand suns. Bring in some Willie Shakespeare. Um, so, yeah, I, I have. I If you follow me on Instagram, you are aware of how mm-hmm. hot sizzling I am, um, and especially about the subject matter that we're talking about today. Mm-hmm. Um, I did take some time off social media yesterday. I took, like, maybe 10 hours off, and that was really good. I mm-hmm. read and called Steph and we had a salad <laughs> like mm-hmm. made a salad at a restaurant outside mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know um, but yeah no I am I am the fire of a thousand suns it's really um, yeah it's, it's not great weather right I feel like I'm burning up mm-hmm. that's real you know um, and yes so, black people can get sunburned we can, we have, I, everybody I, has skin we, Shannon, oh my gosh, remember that sunburn I got in August? Were you, did I, it was the worst sunburn of my life. Mm-hmm. It was, I, pe- I peeled for a month, Shannon. Mm. It was really ugly. I was not cute. Mm. I, I mean, I didn't get red, but I, like, oh my, everything mm-hmm. was peeling. Mm-hmm. Everything was peeling. It was, I was not cute. Um, actually, that's, that's not true. I made that sunburn look good. But. <laughs> <laughs> Welcome so, to what it's like to need to wear. <laughs> Heavy sunscreen. Well, I don't have to wear heavy sunscreen. I'm like, you know, standard, but my children do. (laughs) For more on why it's important for children to wear sunscreen, 
check out our episode on Megan and Harry's engagement called Black Princess. <laughs> Black Princess, what, what? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> That's the name of that episode. Uh, so we're actually going to talk today after, so we're going to talk about why we're all hot like the black top or fire of a thousand suns. Um, we're going to talk about, there's a video that has gone viral in the Catholic community and I want, we want to spend some time with you guys addressing the things that um, Abby Johnson talked about in the video. So just to really back up for anyone who doesn't know who Abby Johnson is, I don't know, if you're listening to this podcast, you're very, very likely to know who she is. Mm-hmm. You understand why we're talking about her. So Abby Johnson became a household name in the pro-life community after she left her job at Planned Parenthood after allegedly seeing an ultrasound abortion. Based on this experience and her conversion, she wrote a book. Um, called Unplanned, and there's a movie that came out the same name. Mm-hmm. Abby Johnson in the past has had some problematic social media posts, um, mm-hmm. and in the more um, recent past, um, about two years ago, maybe a little bit less than two years ago, she uh, defended Kristen Hedden, who was had some white supremacy language, and she said some really awful racist things, and she defended her. She later apologized for it but her initial response was to defend her. Then in October, she had a Twitter feud with a black bishop, Bishop Talbert Swan, where they both were very much not in the right in the way that they had this feud and the way that they Mm -hmm. um, were talking. Abby decided to make some statements that would make her seem like a racist um, in the way that she addressed him and other people on the Twitter calling him Tyrone and another woman, LaFonda, um, and in the way that she tried to explain what racism really was and what the black community should really be mad about. Um, things like that that were very harmful and very problematic. Um, so I just wanted to, there was some extremely racially charged content. And now, uh, most recently, she has a video online that originally was titled My Biracial Boy, where she talked about her son, Jude, and if he would be profiled by the cops, that she's now renamed My Thoughts on Fatherhood. She took it down for a while, and she renamed it My Thoughts on Fatherhood. So she talks about how her son, Jude, he is biracial. She He is adopted. And she said that, you know, she started the video by saying, you know, my son, Jude, He's brown. He looks like he has a perpetual tan. And right now, he's a cute little brown boy, but he might grow up to be a tall, maybe big, aggressive brown man. Um, and then she says he'll look very different from my white kids, who will be, like, just white, nerdy guys um, in a very dismissive way. And that if police, she knows she has a different conversation with Jude about police officer, things like that, but that doesn't make her angry because she's a researcher and she believes in statistics over emotion and she says that the statistics show that there are more incarcerated black men and and like more incarcerated black men than there are white men so the police would have it in their heads to profile her son for being black and she doesn't blame them for that because that's just being smart um that's what she said she said you know the police officer would be smart to profile my brown son That's someone with the brown sun. I have thoughts on that. But Shannon, can you Mm -hmm. just finish? um, Can you? Yeah. So in addition to that content, um, 
Abby continued to talk about research, but did not actually link to or share any research um, in addition to some other statements that she made. Uh, We are not going to talk about her character. We are not going to talk about um, what we think of her work. We are going to talk about what was said and our experience of that as women of color and uh, people who grew up with black fathers. She said a lot about black fathers abandoning the home and about... That it was culturally acceptable to abandon the home. Yes. And about how um, this made an impact in black culture and how we as black people interact with the world. So, um, first, we did want to say that it is true that there are more black and Hispanic men incarcerated than white men. However, that has statistically borne out that that is because of the difference in policing of black and brown communities and has nothing to do with a a higher rate of criminal activity in those communities than in white communities. So that, that is problematic to take that statistic and make it into something that is a value statement about the community mm-hmm. rather than about the reality of why that exists. Um, as a biracial person, I was also very saddened because I know that I have had a lot of issues with sorting out my identity and what it means to be bicultural. Um, And my parents were extremely caring, loving people who talked to us about the importance of both our cultures, who talked to us about um, what it meant to experience racism. And we were a pretty, quote unquote, normal family. We were all very happy. We grew up in a very happy home. And we didn't experience trauma or things like that. We had a wonderful childhood. And I am a happy adult because of many of the things that my parents did for me. It concerns me that another biracial child who will likely hear a lot of racism aimed both at him and his culture will have an added struggle or stressor um, to have a parent perhaps repeat language that people who are racist will use against him. Two parents. Two parents repeat that language. Mm -hmm. In a later video, her husband stood by her and was like, yep, this is fine. So... Two parents. Again, um, I do not know why this is something that they say. I don't know anything about who they are as people. I am responding as someone who has to 
deal with that reality every day and what it means to be bicultural, what it means to love white people as family and as friends and hear these things said to me. Um, And I would ask you to pray for their family, to pray that there will be healing that comes from this rather than division. Um, And I think we're also going to talk a little bit more about families, but Marcia, I would like to, if you're ready, turn the mic over to you. Um, So, like we talked about, like I have a black dad, right? Mm -hmm. So my dad was not my home, right? Like he wasn't in our home and he wasn't around and that happened, right? But I also know white people who have dads who are absent. Like it's not, Mm -hmm. um, I know black people who, I know black people who were raising two family homes and um, like it's not Mm -hmm. known every part of that, Mm -hmm. you know, and it's no different. Like it doesn't mean I'm going to be different because of it. Mm -hmm. Um, Doesn't mean that I'm a lot less successful or less anything. Mm -hmm. In fact, I've never felt less anything, you know, Mm -hmm. like I had a very strong mom and um, she was just very much, um, we, we talk about this in a later episode that's coming up mm-hmm. about how um, the expectations talk about gender roles a little bit. And so some of this comes up in that, but um, I do know what it's like. I don't think that my life was hard because my dad wasn't in it. Mm-hmm. I think my life is hard because I grew up black in America mm-hmm. and that's real, right? Like, so there is the, like, um, you know, the school to prison pop- pipeline, they talk about a lot. Um, mm-hmm. And a lot of it, it talks about how black children are more likely to receive out of school, like out of school suspensions mm-hmm. or things that white children will receive, like maybe a detention for mm-hmm. or things like that. Like mm-hmm. we are disciplined differently. Mm-hmm. And how more black schools are policed than white schools, mm-hmm. not because it's different behaviors, because science shows us that 10 year olds have 10 year old behaviors. I'm raising nine, like 19 age boys and they're all different, mm-hmm. right? They're all have the same behaviors though. Mm-hmm. They all have the same teenage behaviors, mm-hmm. right? <laughs> like love them all. Yep. Developmental also, stages. They all do. They mm-hmm. all get like, they all want to challenge authority. Mm-hmm. Right. Like you have, that's part of growing up and being adults. And, um, my life was hard because of that. Like, um, we haven't talked about this before. I don't think on the podcast, maybe we have, I think we maybe have, um, I was expelled from a school, mm-hmm. not because of any behavior. Like I didn't have any behavior that was bad, but it was mm-hmm. because of what they, like a, one of the parents didn't like me. Mm-hmm. And she was like, okay, now I don't want her at school. And like that really changed. I think we have talked about this. Yes, we It changed the structure of my education, mm-hmm. you know? And like whether I had a black, whether I had a dad at home or not, didn't matter, right? I was mm-hmm. black in America and that's why my life was hard. I was black in America. That's why I'm more susceptible to the school to prison pipeline. Our white students are more, more likely to get disciplined for provable offenses, right? Like smoking and, you know, ditching class, like things mm-hmm. that you can prove while black students are more likely to get disciplined for offenses like perceived insubordination mm-hmm. for, you know, um, like, like talking back or, you know, like, or things like that. And 
So that's why there's an uptick in those because it, the change, there's a change in discipline. Mm-hmm. So it's not because, like, and so when she said that, um, the statistics show that there are more incarcerated black men than there are white men. It's like, it's because the system is against us, not because their dad wasn't home. Mm-hmm. It's because it's already set up for us to fail. Mm-hmm. And she never cited any of that research. It wasn't ever, or she she really didn't even cite research. She just mm-hmm. said there was research. Like, let's mm-hmm. be real. Mm-hmm. There's no citing at all. Mm-hmm. She said, I did research and this is what I found. Mm-hmm. But my other thoughts about the video is there's a line that keeps, um, sticking out to me where she's like it's it's not about well there's a few lines she's like it's it's just it's about bad dads and that should make you mad and that's what racism is like she's this white woman from privilege who's telling me what racism is and what i should be mad about mm-hmm. and that's not even like and she doesn't have that lived experience mm-hmm. right a white person doesn't get to define what i should be mad about as a black woman mm-hmm. she doesn't get to define what I should be mad about, or what racism really is. And she did that with Pastor Swan. She's like, or Bishop Swan, she was like, oh, this is what racism is. And she's like, no, white person, that's not actually, that's not real. Like, that's not what I should be upset about. I'm going to be upset about these things that are attacking my character, my livelihood, my quality of life. Mm -hmm. But she decided there's an issue that she can, there's an issue in her mind. And I feel like it, because a lot of things, it's rooted in white supremacy. This is what I think is wrong, and you should get mad because this is racist, that the black culture is defined by no dads, and that's racist, and that's what you should be mad about. And black women, you deserve better. And it was like, who are you to talk to me that way? Who are you? you know, like, who who are you? That like, And that the whole time, she had the finger-wagging thing going on and telling me what I should be really mad about and what racism really is. Um as someone who does not have the lived experience of the black experience. And then later she said, black fatherhood doesn't need to be redefined because from whatever article she read that she never cited, said that was trying to redefine black fatherhood. She's like, it should have been defined in the first place. Um, Black culture needs to be redefined. That's what she said. Those were her words. Black culture needs to be redefined. And and I sat there, and all I could think, Shannon, was black culture needs to be restructured. And if that is in some Margaret Sanger eugenics, Planned Parenthood building philosophy, I don't, you know, like, but like, it's like it needs to be redefined, which means let's change what that means to suit our needs or to suit my needs as a white person so that I can help you better understand your culture and you better understand racism. But I don't need that. I don't, I didn't need my dad at home to be who I am. Right. It'd have been nice. Right. But there's no mm-hmm. proof that there's an article that came out in the New York times that you sent me Shannon, that was mm-hmm. really great that two parent household, single parent household, the same socioeconomic, structures and stressors would still be in place for black children Mm -hmm. right as a matter of fact the black two-parent family home has half the wealth that a two-parent white home has Mm -hmm. so there's no reason for it to there's no reason to say like this would be so much better what she really means is we need just white people in your home like we'll just i I know that's not what she really means i can't i don't want to put words in her mouth but it seemed to me like she was like 
we just need white people to come in and save you and fix it and redefine your culture. But there would be a black culture in the first place, as it stands now, if it weren't for the stolen black bodies that were here. Mm -hmm. Black culture is very unique. Black American culture is very uniquely black American. Mm -hmm. And like black Western culture, let's just say black Western culture is what it is because white people stole us Mm -hmm. because we had to recreate something outside of slavery. So, and we did, we, we defined it and this is what we are. We are blackity black. We are here, but then it's uh, now it needs to be redefined because it's too much trouble. You know, I can go on all day about this, Shannon. Mm-hmm. You know, you're going to need to tell me, mm-hmm. <laughs> but it does it does it. Mm-hmm. And here's the thing. And there's one thing in the article that I want to say mm-hmm. that she was saying that as a matter of fact, like Paula Formby, a sociologist at the university of Michigan, Look at us citing sources. Uh, they said that the repeated changes in family structure are less negatively consequential for black adolescents' risk behaviors than white adolescents' risk behaviors. Um, and then they determined that this weaker association was also explained by black adolescents' more frequent exposure to socioeconomic stress, mm-hmm. which means that because I am black in America, I got to learn to be resilient real quick. Mm-hmm. because I don't have a buffer. I don't have a mm-hmm. cushion. So once again, this article is stating my life is not hard because I don't have a dad. My life is hard because I'm black in America. Mm-hmm. And it's also statistically true that black dads are more involved in their children's lives on average, yeah. statistically, than any other racial category, whether or not they live with their children or not. Um, mm-hmm. And... You know, obviously, as Catholics, we are proponents of the sacrament of marriage. We would hope that everyone would find joy in that sacrament and build a family within that sacrament. But we also understand and support families in every shape that they come in because that's what being pro-life is. You don't turn away moms and dads simply because they don't have a marriage vow. You don't stop taking care of people because they haven't lived up to the ideal. And that, and that's, and that's the thing. Like, I don't, I can't see my life being any other way. Right. Like this is my life. My life is what it was. Mm-hmm. Um, not, I don't want to say I didn't have a dad. Like I did. Like I, I know my dad. I talked to my dad. Mm-hmm. I, you know what I mean? Like, my dad's always lived in my dad has lived in another state since I was eight years old Mm -hmm. right so like he's like I'm actually going to visit my dad in like five weeks like you know Mm -hmm. like I'm gonna go see him um just because he wasn't in my home like my dad and my mom didn't work out right Mm -hmm. they had they were 17 when I was born Mm -hmm. Shannon and being pregnant at 17 is a terrible reason to get married it's also an annullable reason to get married (laughs) That's real. It's called undue stress. <laughs> so it's like I like my mom and dad were not going to get married at seventeen, mm-hmm. right? My mom and dad had different plans. Like my mom was going to college. My dad was going to play baseball, mm-hmm. right? It wasn't there. Like I, I know. Like and it's, it didn't make it. It didn't make my life hard mm-hmm. because he wasn't there, and and it doesn't make people's life hard because like. I know, I know 
parent I know black people who have married parents their life was hard mm-hmm. do you know what I mean like and it was probably hard because their parents weren't happy mm-hmm. that's different do you know what I mean like mm-hmm. my gosh my, my parents if my parents were married Shannon oh my gosh <laughs> but I, like it's real crazy like it's real crazy to think about that I was like oh god help us all if they ever got married <laughs> like <laughs> They should not, they should, there are, if I ever met two people that should not be married, <laughs> it's my mom and my dad. <laughs> like, legit. And that <laughs> right? doesn't make you any less of a human being made in the image and likeness of God. Right? Who can... And it doesn't make any more um, readily available to be um, profiled by police officers, mm-hmm. no matter how smart you think their statistics are. Mm-hmm. Because there's, like, and just off that, like, it's skewed. It's completely skewed. Like, there are a disproportionate amount of black men in the prison, not because black men are more more likely to have crime, right? Like, mm-hmm. there are black men in the prison right now, like, because of, well, there's a white supremacy, the way that our communities are set up, mm-hmm. right? Like, they're more likely to maybe steal for their family, like, Jean Valjean got a whole musical, but a black man goes to go to prison. That's not right. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, it's not fair for her to say this is absolute without understanding the reasons behind things. Mm-hmm. Just like it is not fair for people to be um, overtly pro-life and not understand reasons why women get abortions and try to fix those. Mm-hmm. There are less opportunities. There's the school-to-prison pipeline. Mm-hmm. There are absent fathers because they're in jail. Mm-hmm. You know, people are in jail still for marijuana possessions. When white, white, There are more white offenders for marijuana possessions. Like, mm-hmm. white people are more likely to be in possession of marijuana, but they don't get, they're less likely to get a drug charge. Mm-hmm. Right? Mm-hmm. I know more white people before it was legal that smoked marijuana than I did black people. Mm-hmm. But black people were in jail for it. Right? Um, it's, it, it, it is a bias. And she's saying, what she's saying is, this bias is okay because it's smart. There's a, there's a, and it's like, it's like talking around now that I'm sitting here talking to you. It's like, it's a circular argument. Right? Mm-hmm. It is. She's like, well, it's smart of them to profile my son because of statistics, but the statistics are there because of a bias, but the bias is there because of statistics Mm -hmm. and it's okay. It's fine. And it's like, I can't imagine being that child and, and understanding that later. Mm -hmm. Right. Oh, my mom thinks it's okay for a police officer profile me because Mm -hmm. I'm Brown. Right. And my brothers are already white guys. Like that's not in no way. Is that okay? ever I I um, hmm. yeah and so I'd like to give some slight historical context to black family structures as well Um, so obviously slavery happened we all know that that happened Um, what many people don't often know is that when people were enslaved, when they were brought to America, they were specifically split up from people from their communities, their countries who shared language groups with them so that they would not be able to communicate with each other and possibly have an uprising. They were also 
uh, specifically separated from family members, so they would not have kinship networks. Families okay. were split up and sold on purpose so that the fathers and sons would not be able to help the mothers and daughters who were often being raped and sexually uh, harassed by the white people. I mean, like, I'm not going to get into this, but like, you don't get black people as light skinned as me without white ancestors and slavery. And yes. they, they were not in love. Without rape. So, you know, um, we won't get into that because that's a different story for a different time. Um, in addition, um, once slavery was illegal, there were two ways in which people in the South post-Reconstruction would keep black men imprisoned and in sharecropping in order to basically still reap the advantages of slavery while not officially enslaving anyone. So um, that's uh, one of the original police um, departments in the country was set up to particularly go out and find black men doing minor crimes so that they could convict them and put them into slavery because it was legal to put prisoners into forced work. Um, if you read the book Homegoing by Yaa Gayasi, it has a wonderful section about this, about a, a man who gets put into um, the mines. He gets put into mining uh, forced, as forced labor. In addition, um, people were forced into sharecropping through various terrible um, legal procedures so that basically even though they were technically making money uh, they were in so much debt to the their former slave owners who owned the land that they were still basically enslaved um, and during about from about 1880 to about 1960 um, Black nuclear families of father, mother, and children were about the same rate as white families. Um, and in addition, uh, while, while black people have always had higher rates of single motherhood, um, in addition to that, black families have extensive kinship networks. So very much extended family, in addition, the community, um, you know, we talk about play cousins, right? Um, yeah. The idea that um, even though someone is not biologically related to you, that we share um, care for children, care for the community, and they're a strong, tight-knit um, communal aspect. It's oftentimes almost the opposite of what we experience as Americans, that Americans, we are very focused on individual freedom. Um, African cultures across the globe, whether they're diaspora cultures like ours here in America or they're in Africa, are extremely communal and focus more on the individual's role within the community first rather than their individual freedoms. And every culture has this balance of what is the individual freedom versus the sort of the um, unit and community. And you can listen to our Coco episode <laughs> if you want to learn a little bit more about that. We talked about that. Um, so every culture has this, but some emphasize one or the, over the other and neither is good or bad. They're both neutral, but rather that, um, it's a cultural trait that we can track and measure. 
So black people have always had larger extended kinship networks. And a lot of this goes back to slavery. Because if your family was taken away and sold, who can you trust? You have to rely on your friends, the older women who aren't in the field, to take care of the babies, right? Like you have to do all of these things where you're relying on the people who you live with because they're the only ones who understand your experience and the the only ones you can care for. And so um, kinship networks included all sorts of people, right? We often talk about like the family you choose or we talk as a, a community about, you know, our our friends becoming family and things like that. Well, that was a real survival skill that had to happen within black communities in slavery. And that has continued um, and been amplified because that is inherent in most Africana cultures, that kinship networks are very important. Um, And then in the 60s um, onward, you saw a rise in single parent households, not because black people weren't involved, but because um, especially from about 1980 onward, uh, there was, we started seeing this school-to-prison um, school pipeline because of things like the crackdown on um, crack cocaine, because of the war on drugs, because of um, intense policing efforts that uh, were... Play a black legis- community. Yeah. Because they're everywhere. Mm-hmm. Like, here's the thing. I'm, gonna, I'm totally interrupting you now. No, it's fine. That- White community have drug problems too. Mm -hmm. They're just a little bit more glamorous and they have the wealth Mm -hmm. to help rehabilitate. Mm -hmm. Also, police aren't in those communities. But here's the thing. Mm -hmm. If you follow the drugs and the money from Mm -hmm. the black community, you will find a white man with a family in the suburbs. Mm -hmm. Like, not like, do you know what I'm talking about? Mm -hmm. Like, it's not like, it's... It's not a quote-unquote inner-city problem. Mm -hmm. It's actually not, Mm -hmm. because the people actually that are making the money from it don't live in the city. They live in Mm -hmm. the suburbs with their families, Mm -hmm. and they're distributing it. Like, Mm -hmm. it's not a... That's not how that works. Mm -hmm. Like, once again, we are the pack mules. Mm -hmm. But, you know... Anyway, you go ahead, Shannon. I'm just (laughs) No, that's fine. Um, (laughs) You guys can't see my face. Like, I am angry. (laughs) So you're saying that the yeah. um, war on drugs and crack mm-hmm. cocaine, mm-hmm. which is guided by white folks, mm-hmm. to black people. <laughs> and so um, we see a lot of this um, happening. And there are things like redlining that prevented um, black families from buying um, houses in white neighborhoods. There, yep. there are things like... Um, you know, they would, uh, you know, this happened, I believe it's in Cleveland. Uh, there was a thriving black community. They wanted to build an interstate and they um, basically kicked all of those families out of their middle-class neighborhood to build an interstate and that wrecked the community. So there are very systematic things that happened. Um, and so when we talk about racism, we can't only say it's a personal sin. It's something that people choose to do. In our country, it has been very systematic. Um, it's individuals who make decisions at a, at a level of power and in institutional ways that um, have not only affected black people, but are aimed at breaking down the black family. And yet black families are still uh, strong, resilient, and tend to be um, much more tight-knit um, and much more linked across generations. Um, and that's obviously a generalization, 
but uh, that bears out culturally as well. Yes. Um, so it does, because that's my experience mm-hmm. in my family. You know, um, we are tight-knit. My whole, like, my whole mom's side of the family, like, we're all tight-knit. My dad's side of the family that I know, like, you know what I mean? Like, I tight-knit with them. Um, I just got reprimanded by my auntie Anne for cooking online. About Abby Johnson. <laughs> um, All the aunties calling you out. <laughs> yeah, no, my great aunt, my dad's aunt, mm-hmm. legit, called me out. She's like, I understand that you were mad at that woman, but do you have to use spell language <laughs> No, like, legit. Like, that was about her. So it was, it's kind of funny. And that was weeks ago mm-hmm. when she made a claim. Oh, see, this, I forgot. This is more things. That maybe the cops were just being incompetent. Maybe they didn't really mean to kill George Floyd. Maybe mm-hmm. it wasn't about race. Mm-hmm. And I was like, well, there we go. So mm-hmm. <laughs> that's why I got yelled at about my aunt. And we got a roll in it. So it's, and also like that, like kinship is, I grew up knowing that my play cousin's mom could give me a whooping mm-hmm. because she's talking like she. <laughs> And when I say they weren't like I wasn't like being beat the street, yeah. but it was like you, I knew you will be I, disciplined. Yes, like be disciplined because I always I still go people all the time like you about to get a woman and I don't put my hands on them, Mm-mm. but it's just that's what it is. Like you're probably going to be put in timeout. <laughs> and it will stand and it will stick. Mm-hmm. Do you know what I mean? It's not like I'm going to call my mom. You know, it's like no, call your mom. Right? Mm-hmm. Like you're mm-hmm. in trouble. Um, by the time I got home, my mom found out what I did anyway. Like it doesn't, and that's just how that works. Um, and we are a little bit more tight and we, and that's how we have our resources because mm-hmm. we are cut out of so much that there is, it is black communities don't get the resources that white communities get. Mm-hmm. Um, it doesn't happen, but that's, that's real across the board for anything. I talked about mm-hmm. this. I did an Instagram takeover um, a couple weeks ago, and I talked about how, like, poorer parishes, which are usually black parishes, mm-hmm. don't get the same resources that white parishes get mm-hmm. because of taxes, because of this. But mm-hmm. if it's supposed to serve a community, then serve the community. Mm-hmm. Like, serve the people. Um, it's just, it's really, and that is why, because we are we are left out. Like it was like mm-hmm. we're left out in the cold in a way. And when people try to have like use, you know, very unsavory means to get the things that they actually need, mm-hmm. um, those things are policed heavily mm-hmm. in the black community, not the white community. Mm-hmm. Um, even in communities where poor white communities don't have the amount of police mm-hmm. that poor black communities do. Mm-hmm. Like it's living in Terre Haute you could see the difference mm-hmm. and it's really, it's really upsetting. Mm-hmm. It's really frustrating. Um, we're, talk, we're talking about a lot of things. Like you, I love it. You're just like, here are all these things. And I'm like, I'm mad about them. <laughs> I'm mad about them too, but I'm sleepy. Well, I know that you are too. Um, this can't be an episode where we're both just yelling. <laughs> I'm very disheartened mm-hmm. that this is a person who has a voice. God loves everyone, even the people with whom we dislike and disagree mm-hmm. and who make a mission, like who we feel hate us. God still loves them. They should not have, that does not mean they should have a platform. Mm-hmm. And I'm very disheartened with the lack of response and the amount of people who agree 
with these statements as unfounded as they are because uh-huh. they're not founded they're not there are no links to them in the comments there's no they don't she doesn't cite them in the video uh-huh. and and we would be happy to investigate the academic integrity of those studies as we, we both have you know extensive research backgrounds <laughs> ourselves <laughs> right I, that's the thing too. like i i also do research um, so Abby, well, you know, right? if Abby does share those, I will be happy to read them and engage with the ideas. And that's true, right? Like there are many things where I'm like, I need to understand where that comes from or why that is, you know, uh-huh. I just read things like, yeah, like there's some knee jerk things. I'm like, whoa, but then I was like, let me just wait and look at mm-hmm. some, mm-hmm. right? Let me read the context of this. Mm-hmm. Right? And I got the full context when I read that, watched that video, mm-hmm. right? Like I did, like I love what she was saying. So I don't have anything to take out of context. She said what she said mm-hmm. and she stands, but as a matter of fact, she does stand by what she said because she says that she's not wrong. Mm-hmm. She made a video. So, um, yeah. So there's that. She may have even responded to one person on Instagram. That's so cool. in this podcast. Mm-hmm. Um, well, I can say that it was not me, so. <laughs> and then subsequently blocked them on Instagram. So, <laughs> that happened. Um, I, so, these aren't things that you, like, I mean, if you're still listening, if you're still with us, mm-hmm. we appreciate that. Um, I just, these are conversations that Shannon and I are already having. This is, and I feel like we've already had this conversation, Shannon, but there are mm-hmm. more things to say. Mm-hmm. We'll probably always, talk about it again tomorrow on the right? phone. I feel like I'm constantly having to defend my humanity. Mm-hmm. I And I feel that in her remarks, she disrespected my humanity. She mm-hmm. disrespected my culture. Mm-hmm. Um, she disrespected my my resilience and my upbringing Mm -hmm. and my mom like she Mm -hmm. disrespected my mom and if you know anything about black folks you do not not talk about my mama (laughs) (laughs) that's real right and when she said we need to redefine black culture Mm -hmm. which to me i took as restructuring like there's something like here's the thing shannon I'm good enough. Mm-hmm. I'm good enough. In her statements, she said that I'm not. And also, so I wrote a, I wrote a small blog post about this. I'm a birth mom to a black son. In a transracial adoption. A mm-hmm. transracial adoption. And seriously, Shannon, like, and I said it in the, in my blog post, like when you called me to tell me, you were like, Hey, Mm-hmm. You know, she told me about my son's face. She's like, they love him. They love mm-hmm. him there. I didn't realize, realize like, I was on, like, a mm-hmm. ledge. Like, mm-hmm. I was not okay. And I and that's and that's a huge reason why that, well, I know it wasn't mm-hmm. me, well, me already. But that's, mm-hmm. the, like, I was really, like, it was so upsetting because mm-hmm. I just started questioning everything. Because I can't imagine that any woman who would give her baby to someone else. Mm-hmm. That is a different color, race, culture. Mm-hmm. Imagine she would, she would 
put that here's the thing Chan I have put my baby in another woman's arms mm-hmm. I've done it mm-hmm. trusting that my child will be loved and cared for and he is and have needs met mm-hmm. I trust if I didn't trust that I would have held on to him and I mm-hmm. I still wish some days I could have held on to him but mm-hmm. that wasn't the circumstance at that point mm-hmm I can't imagine another woman putting her child in a woman's arms not trusting this. But can you, if that woman hears, if I were to hear my son's parents say these things, mm-hmm. I don't think that I could deal with that. Mm-hmm. I don't think I could ever have a moment of peace again. Mm-hmm. I wasn't at peace that night when you kept, you called me and you were like, hey, I'm going to tell you this in case no one said it. Mm-hmm. And I needed to hear that. Mm-hmm. So I pray for that woman. Oh my gosh, I pray for her so hard. Because mm-hmm. I know I know what that is and I know what that means. Mm-hmm. And uh, gosh, that's hard. Yeah. That's hard. Mm-hmm. You start to question, you question who you are. Mm-hmm. You know, like, here's, the, like, no matter who has him now, I was his first caregiver. I was his mm-hmm. first mom. Mm-hmm. And I trusted him to this next mom. Mm-hmm. If that next mom said the things in that video that Abby said, mm-hmm. my world would be rocked and it would be shattered. Mm-hmm. And that's the truth. Mm-hmm. And um, I think additionally, like as someone who um, not only has a wonderful black dad who is still extremely involved in my life and my family's life, my kids' lives. And in my life. And in your life, everybody's life. All up in everybody's business. Love you, Daddy. I'm just Like, no, I keep in contact. He's a cool dude. Yeah. Like, no. And I like. My, I'm on those. I'm on those text messages of encouragement. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, yeah, I love my father, um, and he has been a wonderful role model for me and for many people. Mm-hmm. Um, and also as someone who, again, lives in two cultures. I mean, realistically, probably like three or four, because, you know, there's a lot going on on both sides of the family as far as multiple cultures. Um, To hear that one culture needs to change, and as I understood it, to be more like the dominant white culture. That's how I understood that. Perhaps it was not what was meant. Um, It was very deflating. And also, black culture is extremely rich. In America, it's extremely rich. It's extremely beautiful. And in many cases, historically, could be argued to be one of the few authentic American cultures. Um, because yep. it is not tied in any way to a specific cult- country of origin. Do you know why? Because we don't know because they stole us. Yes. And they hid the records as well. That's another thing I forgot to mention. They hid the records um, when people were sold of where they were taken from and what 
country and what uh, family and things like that. Because people knew who they were. It's not like they forgot who they were when they showed up in America. Um, But those records were um, particularly skewed so that if someone could find that out, they could not go back to their country or know or trace where other members of their family were sold. Mm -hmm. Um, And we as black Americans have given this country so much that has been celebrated and also in many cases co-opted. And appropriated. mm -hmm. And I come from a long line of strong in nuclear black families. I cannot say to you, with one exception, every single member of my family on my dad's side is still married for 40, 50, 60 years. Kids who are successful, happy, strong, well-educated. We have been lucky enough as a family to build wealth across the board um, who have been connected to some of the most significant moments in African American history Uh and some of the most important people in African American history and I am extremely proud to be their ancestor Excuse me, to be their descendant and not their ancestor. And <laughs> yeah, someday I'll be an ancestor. I already, I already technically am, I guess, because I have children. Uh, but um, I am extremely proud of my mother's side of the family as well. And their history is shorter in America than my father's. And so to hear someone say that this beautiful culture that has nurtured and sustained me that has helped me flavor my food (laughs) that has um, given me the most beautiful music and art and beautiful literature that has quite literally helped shape America into what it is in all of its best ways is not only degraded by my perception of this statement, but also told that it needs to be something different when in fact it has been the major shaper of white culture in America as well. Um, That was very upsetting. And makes me want to throw things (laughs) Um, all the things um like real housewives in new jersey flipping tables mm -hmm. jesus in the temple temple, whipping people um overturning the money everywhere um grandma pocket that money reparations (laughs) (laughs) that's stealing the stern look Shannon just gave me. Someone else <laughs> hold you accountable. <laughs> I know. I was 
um, I do not want that. I don't want the smoke that goes to taking money mm-mm, out of the mm-mm. Tell you what. <laughs> um, and I, you know, um, it would it would be very concerning to me if she, someone who makes statements like that. is not um, called to um, challenged, called to be challenged or held up as an example of what it means to be Catholic. Yeah. Because, man. Because even though I'm not a great Catholic and I have a lot to atone for before Judgment Day, I think I do know what the church teaches and what I should be living up to, even when I'm not. (laughs) Um, And and as someone who publicly works for the church and has to be very careful about how I act and how I represent the church uh it is very disconcerting to me that someone who publicly claims to represent the church could make statements that can be misconstrued i shouldn't say misconstrued she could make statements that would seem to alienate people of a specific descent within the same church You said that so nicely, Shannon. Mm-hmm. No, I just, I'm disappointed. I'm disappointed that someone who represents the Catholic faith and is prominent in the pro-life movement feels comfortable enough within the faith and that movement to make such remarks with such conviction that like what what allowed her to build like it makes me wonder what does it make me wonder it just makes me realize that there's not enough happening to check people that have those thoughts because those weren't new thoughts. They just didn't come out of nowhere. I just told you there's a history of statements. But the confidence and the lack of understanding, I feel that's dangerous to our movement and to people of our faith where I have been contacted because I was very vocal, vocal about my dislike of this over Instagram and my stories. Other black Catholics have reached out and they're like, what is there what is what what is keeping me in this church yep i understand that sentiment i'm not leaving like well i'm not leaving but i was like because uh, and i Mm -hmm. i said well we have the eucharist Mm -hmm. at the end of the day we have the sacraments i was like Mm -hmm. yes we have we have the eucharist that myself and all of my flaws know that i can receive and i understand that Mm -hmm. other grossly imperfect people Mm -hmm. (laughs) that have more flaws than I believe. Like they have 
I feel that I have flaws that need a reckoning. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, and also receive that same mm-hmm. Eucharist and that same grace. I have to just stand firm in the Eucharist. Like that mm-hmm. has to be my time. I feel like that is that that's the source and summit mm-hmm. of our faith right mm-hmm. there. And I have to like, that is where well, I if am. you're not here for the Eucharist, why are you here? Right. Why like you, that's the right? point. <laughs> Perfect people are, are able to receive a mystery just like I am as an imperfect person every mm-hmm. week. And the same grace that I know that like the same grace that there is for me, there is for them. And, mm-hmm much as that disappoints me because sometimes, you know, fire of a thousand suns and all, mm-hmm. um, that's what I have to hold on to. Mm-hmm. But you shouldn't have a whole group of people in your church wondering why do I stay? Because mm-hmm. at some point, I know the Eucharist is enough. I will mm-hmm. always know the Eucharist is enough. But there are moments where I'm like, is the Eucharist enough? Mm-hmm. Do you know, like, I feel that. I feel that. I've, I've had those moments. Um, I've had so many of those moments. And I've had time. them not only because of racial issues, but because of other things in my life. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, I was actually talking to my mom about this. As a reminder, everyone, my mom's the white one. Um, <laughs> and she was very upset about the content of the comments that were made, (laughs) Um, understandably so. My mom is also a licensed clinical social worker. um, And as an LCSW, uh, I feel she has good insight into um, many things related to psychology and and all of that. And, um, And as I was talking to her about this, and I was telling her, you know, like, I'm grateful to you and dad for um, raising us and having a happy family. And, you know, and this is no disrespect to you. It's just like trying to deal with all the things I talked about as cultural issues. And I said to her, honestly, between what I know as a ministry leader, between what I know as a woman in church, between what I know as a um, person of African descent, if I didn't have a root in Christ and in the sacraments, I would have left a long time ago because the church is made up of a bunch of people trying to do their best, but doing really bad because we're all sinners, (laughs) myself included. I have done bad. I have hurt people in the church. And for that, I am truly sorry. And at some point I'm going to have to stand before the judgment seat of the Lord. Um, And I hope that the God that I know of mercy and grace, the Jesus I know as a friend will understand, (laughs) right? Like, but also I do think that I know that because I am well-educated in the church's teaching and because I do immerse myself in the sacraments. And if you're already feeling alienated and you don't know the church's teaching, you don't know the church's history, you don't know the saints and people of God who have worked throughout the centuries to fight against the negative in the church, I can understand why you'd consider leaving. Especially because the majority, I would assume, 
I, I don't have research or statistics for this, but the majority of black people in, Amer- in the American church are not in a black predominant church. They are likely a minority. Yep. Um, and in my case, at my parish, we are significant minority. I don't even think we make up 1% of the population of the church, the parish. Mm-hmm. So it's incumbent upon those of us in ministry leadership positions and also on white Catholics to do something about that, to make people feel included and to make them feel like you, they have a place. Because if you are worried about losing millennials and Gen Z, you need to be worried about this. Not only because they care, but because they are the most diverse generation in history. And there's going to be a lot more black and brown people sitting in the pews in that generation than any other time in history. And they need to know that the church cares about them as an institution and as a community, as a parish community living in your specific town, city, wherever you are. Mm -hmm. Exactly. Okay, we need to do something happy. We, we do need something happy because um, this is a whole long discussion. Mm-hmm. This is like back in the day. We've gone like back to our of, of, oh, hours, <laughs> hours of podcasting. Like hour. <laughs> Seriously, like it is. <laughs> Look at that. Coming back to our roots. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> is, Alex, so, is Alex Haley about to pop out? <laughs> I know, right? It's like, who's that? Who's that? <laughs> 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 um, so, um, Let's, let's do all for Torah, Shannon. Yeah. Okay, so a couple of things that I want to share so that people can maybe start to learn more about the things that we're talking about or um, like School to Prison pop-line, Pipeline. Mm-hmm. So if you don't understand what School to Prison Pipeline is, there's a really good video that does talk about it. Uh, Vox um, talks about it. And I there will be a link in the show notes to the YouTube video that talks about it. It has some of the points that I made and it's, um, those are, and it's funny because I found it and I was like, oh, these are the points that I make when I talk about school prison pop, pipeline. Um, and so it's in there. Also, 13th on Netflix. I mm-hmm. feel like that's been floating around a lot and I think that people aren't understanding. I think people understand like how important that movie is. I saw it within the first week that it came out and it was one of the most important things that I watched in my life and I grew up black mm-hmm. and I couldn't believe the amount that I didn't know. Mm-hmm. It's also this episode of Adam Ruins Everything. <laughs> that talks about redlining and I will put a link to that in the show notes and it kind of talks about why black people can't build like wealth because real estate's a huge part of building generational wealth and so that is uh so those are some really really great resources um one thing I'm gonna nominate so nominate (laughs) offer up (laughs) so Target has a lot of good Starbucks at home stuff hmm. and as someone as the resident Starbucks addict like I mean Shannon I mean likes- it's just shared at this point <laughs> yeah, right it's like um yes so there is because Starbucks is expensive and I can't always be going to Starbucks Mm-mm. Target has a very good variety of Starbucks at home products that make 
not going to Starbucks every day really, really easy. Um, so that is what I want to offer. Starbucks, they have their um, the espresso roast ground coffee they mm-hmm. have, which is really great for making cold brew at home. Mm-hmm. They also have cold brew concentrate and even the refreshers in the little packets. And tonight I'm drinking the Starbucks iced coffee instant. Nice. And it's all very good. And it's already sweetened. Like mm. you don't have to do yes. anything to it. Love it. And it's really nice. And so I want to shout out to Star- uh, Target's Starbucks offerings. Mm-hmm. And they have <laughs> so, Tarbucks, Starbucks and the Target. <laughs> so it's just great. Yeah, all it's true. Which is really great, except you can only use your points to get the drinks, but you can't use your points for the items at the Starbucks. Yeah. That's, so, yeah. just saying. I mean, they got to make some money. They're, they're making right. lots of money oh, right now. Quarantine. Oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I know how much those drinks are. I went through Starbucks once today, and I was like, oh, $7 for a cookie and refresher? Okay, thank you. <laughs> I was like, I'm in, I should have yeah. <laughs> that's what about you okay so tell me tell me what do you have to yeah i have two just really fun ones i just really wanted to recommend some positive black family images um so the first one i wanted to recommend is one of our mutual favorites the disney channel show the proud family there's a show and a movie and they're both on disney plus if you have it um it's just a great show about being a black family and it's not about I mean like sure they talk about race but it's not like the struggle it's not the like overcoming slavery or whatever it's just a a black family family. being a family and that's great um and I remember I was probably like um, a tween to a teen when it came out, so I was a little bit older than the target audience, but I just remember loving it so much um, because it was not so nice to finally see a black family on the Disney Channel. Um, and, like, you know, we won't get into Disney's problematic history with race. Um, again, you can listen to the Coco episode if you want to do that. Um, but... Um, but, you know, they made a concerted effort from, you know, probably the late 90s on to really diversify their offerings and be authentic to cultures. And the Prod family is a great one. Um, the other one, which I'm really excited to share, is a short film. It won the best Oscar or the best short film Oscar um, in 2018, I believe. And it is a short film. It's about seven minutes called Hair Love. And it's about a... Um, young black girl named Zuri who wakes up one morning and realizes it's her it's her day to do her hair and there's a there's also a, another family thing that happens I won't spoil the ending because it's a very cute film um, and she, you know she wakes up and she's got a heart on the calendar so it's the big day um, and she wants to do her hair special for this day she has a big beautiful fro um which i will never have and will continuously be jealous of i know (laughs) um and her mom is not there as usual to do her hair so her dad has to do it and he like and it really is a wonderful way especially maybe if you are a dad who like has a girl and like had that moment of like how do i do your hair (laughs) um no matter what black fatherhood in this movie there is yeah (laughs) um you know whatever race you are i'm sure as a parent 
period, but probably definitely as a male parent, you've probably felt that like, I don't know how to do girl hair, right? Like maybe you learn. And this is about um, his eventual ability to help her get her hair all together. And it's a beautiful film. It's about seven minutes long, so you can watch it anytime. And just Google it. It's called Hair Love, and you can watch it on basically any um, platform, including YouTube. So um, great movie, a great little short film. You should watch it. Okay, awesome. So Proud Family, Hair Love, all the things to tell you how the world has wronged black people and Starbucks. Mm-hmm. That's what we have You're going to gonna need some here. Starbucks after you have read everything <laughs> about racism. All those things. Awesome. Okay, well, that concludes our special episode that was supposed to be a short episode that ended up being <laughs> the time of probably two episodes. But you know, it's okay. <laughs> got this. I, I want to say, say thank you to everyone who has reached out to Shannon and myself for um, making sure that we're okay, that we're taking care of ourselves, that we're doing things that we need to do for ourselves. I want to say thank you to people who continue to speak out against racism, people who continue to do their part in making sure that there's equity and equality between all of the races and cultures. Well, right now, Black culture especially i want to say thank you to the people that continue to say black lives matter mm-hmm. even when they are hit with negative responses um so i want i want to thank you for that i also want to say thank you for the things that bring us joy even in these hard times like um being with our wonderful black families and <laughs> talking to our black dads so thank you to our black dads <laughs> and, go. well my black mom <laughs> Shannon's mom. Shout out to Colleen. What's up, girl? Who's about as black as a white person can be? Your mom's pretty down. Mm -hmm. I'm just saying. Mm -hmm. Uh She is definitely invited to a cookout. (laughs) So, I also want to say thank you to God, who, like we say all the time, has made us in his image. And if only the world could catch up and realize his plan for that. Mm -hmm. Um, I want to say thank you, Shannon, for being an awesome co host, as always. Right back at (laughs) you. Thank you. Um, and to you guys all for listening and learning, for sticking with us for this long episode that wow. is well over an hour. Mm-hmm. Um, and we will see you really soon. Mm-hmm. Um, this episode is going to drop. And then on Thursday, July 2nd, is our episode on Mulan and gender roles. Um, we're very excited. So we're going to get down to business. We're going to be back. Get down. Mm-hmm. We're taking on racism. We're taking on the patriarchy. (laughs) Everything's happening this week. (laughs) We're going to lose all sorts of followers. We are. So, yeah, and then we'll be super excited. Yes. We will. We're always super excited. We hope that you guys have learned a lot, that you're listening with your heart and your head, and that you seek out research of statistics and things that you can cite. We hope that you have a great day.